Stop being so obvious. He wants you bad. You know, you're not at all like what I expect you to be the first time I saw you. Oh, so? You're just sweet. Dad, meet David McCall. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Same here, David. Nicole's curfew is 12 o'clock. All right. Hello. Yeah. You remember that song and dance about David in some perfect little town back east? Something like that. Well, guess again. He's got no family, no address, no work record. What's the big deal? Big deal, Laura, is that the guy gives me the creeps, and the girl is my daughter. This is all about David. Something wrong with But your problem with David, not mine. He's not a good guy. Well, this is gonna stop. Tell me you need me. I need you, David. Nicole! Relax, Steve. We're friends are practically family. The guy is a psychopath. We have something that everybody wants, but nobody has. That's why they're trying to keep us apart. Disappear from my family's life. You got that? Guess who? You should have allowed nature to take its course. <laughs> In the end, it will anyway. Mr. Walker, you okay? So let me get out! Go to call and lock your door! The phone's dead. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 180, Fear. All right. Well, we're back. Like we said, we'd be back. (laughs) You know, a lot of confidence on that uh, Vanilla Sky episode that we would be like pumping out Epps still. Yeah, I did did address that on one of the solo. Give us a second. I was like, we definitely acted like there was no way we were going to stop doing this. And then immediately we're like, well, I guess we're not doing this. Yeah. I will say right around that time, shit was getting like so weird because I was still going into the office for work and I'd like leave. Well, A, there was like no one around. And I'm just like what is going on like when is this going to end when is the next time things are going to be normal and it's still like not normal but yeah we should say like we are now in a county where it's been like basically reopened so we figured why not start recording because at this point yeah we know that it's still kind of an ongoing deal but uh, what are we going to do just wait forever (laughs) come on people need this show (laughs) this actually now more than ever has clearance as like a uh, a necessary business or wh- whatever they call that's true yeah. an essential business <laughs> right. yes <laughs> We're, we've made that list and of course america plunged into its own stupid bullshit with right. yep what's been going on where you just kind of are scratching your head thinking like i can't believe that this kind of shit is still happening and you know thankfully it seems like maybe there actually will be 
at least some change this time around. Yeah. Unlike the last time this happened, which was the whole Ferguson thing, where not really enough changed. It's weird because it's just like we're in this period where like don't be around people at all. Yet like every day, it's just like crowds of people. Um, well, these people, I guess, are choosing that this is more important. Sure. But at the same time, and that, you know, not that it isn't, but it probably will lead to more spread of the virus, I guess. And yeah. It is wild, like, all Ooh. the videos that are airing and everything. It, it's, like, literally, like, Hunger Games, like, just people in riot gear. Yeah, I listened to a podcast the sticks. other day, and it was, like, it feels like we're living in a trailer for, like, a new RoboCop movie, yeah. <laughs> where you just see members of the press being arrested on live TV, and people, like, having their masks pulled down so that they can be pepper sprayed in the I face. I know, it is. It's crazy. Just crazy yeah. shit. Stuff on fire. It's just, like, what the fuck? And you have this monster of a president being like when the looting starts true. the it's shooting wild. starts and it's you can't help but laugh because it's like how fucked up is this world now seriously it does feel like for the first time in my life i feel like i understand a little bit better what it was like to live during like the late 60s when things seemed like more turbulent and wild yeah. and like anything could happen and everything was kind of charged with an energy and it seems like that's kind of happening now. Like yeah, the I'm protests sure, like, have just been going on for uh, what, like two weeks now? Or it's kind of a crazy combination like when you're like, "All right, let's do something that hasn't happened in certainly our lifetimes, where we're just like put everyone inside for months, and then it's just like have all this crazy shit happen, and then people need to react to this." And it's an election right? year. Yeah, well, yeah. And it, it's probably only going to get ramped up as far as like that kind of craziness. People already like suspect that Trump is going to pull all kinds of shit leading into the election, maybe trying to like delay it or something. Yeah. Like, who knows? A lot of it's speculative, and, it's like, uh, and you can't really judge it until it actually happens. Chancellor uh, Palpatine is just like, we need to vote me supreme executive yeah. power. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks <laughs> somehow involved. Making the recommendation, and everyone in the Senate is like getting behind it. <laughs> This is how democracy dies, yeah. with thunderous That's applause. Right. <laughs> she said it best. George Lucas was trying to warn us all those years ago. That's true. Yeah, but we're back. Either way, you know, certainly hard times, but this show will march on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what better time to jump in and start talking about <laughs> a movie from 1996 <laughs> yeah, starring really, yeah. Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon. Keeping our focus right where it needs to be. Yeah. You know? This was one that we were all set to record before the quarantine, and That's we true. probably would have snuck it in, but you bailed. You were yeah. like, I'm sick. Well, and I was like, well, he has coronavirus. Yeah, I, and I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get tested. Um. <laughs> well, at this point, that was like, what, two and a half months ago? Yeah, well, certainly outlived the time frame that... Yeah, we were uh, all set to do this one, and we didn't do it, and so yeah. we're just picking up where we left off, which obviously changes our plans for the rest of the summer and the rest of the year honestly everything's kind of up in the air that's true yeah but we have a tentative schedule in place that we're going to try to stick with we're going to do the movies that we were planning on doing for one trashy summer in july now i think okay yes and we'll still do the greatest october as planned assuming we don't go That's into right. like another quarantine or with anything. a lot less build-up from me this year because i'm not like starting to talk about it in april and yet this is going to be the most special greatest october ever like the biggest deal yeah 
it's going to be a a big special that we were planning on doing anyway but now it feels even more appropriate just to like launch into our special thing but you know we'll get there eventually but yeah i mean we're just we're we're just gonna go with what we were gonna do which was fear i think a lot of podcasts would probably try to pick a movie that was like more relevant to what was going on we already did do the right thing right before this which is kind of crazy timing but i just wanted to say i guess that number one we've always looked at this podcast as sort of an escape from anything else it's not really tied in with current events I support the protests. I think, Matt, you were saying off mic, you support Donald Trump <laughs> over the protesters. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think we kind of assume that our listeners can seek out the movies that they need to seek out. If you want, like, recommendations on movies of, like, self-destructive behavior, you know, I'm your guy for that. <laughs> or movies where it's uh, a drama about teens that where the boyfriend is kind of questionable that's really? like right up our alley yeah. <laughs> anything where it's like a, a a teen boy and a dad like facing <laughs> off <laughs> this movie fear is basically made for this podcast really? this is essentially yeah. like what we've been building towards ultimately yeah this is like one of those movies where when we get to it finally it's like what took so long because to me there are always like certain movies that make sense for this podcast and we hit them as we go, but sometimes you don't think of it until we actually do it. And that's what happened with fear. It's like showgirls. Oh, right. Roadhouse. Like there's certain (laughs) ones where it's just like, this is made for this podcast. And fear to me is like, of course, of course we need to talk about this. Yeah. Well, fun discussion before the show, like talking about whether or not this is actually like a horror movie, even though it's called fear. But I do remember like, the trailers for it, because I didn't see this, you know, when it came out. I don't know if you did. In the theater? No. Well, I would even consider the, the rental period shortly thereafter. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I can kind of remember this, watching this with uh, various girlfriends. and it, This was one that always came up. Oh, yeah. Relationship after this relationship. This was like, if you hey, went, we need to watch this. If you were in a relationship in high school between the years, like, 1996 and like 2020 (laughs) (laughs) then this is like mandatory viewing and i i wanted to bring up that it does kind of live on at least theoretically because i was pleased to see last season or last year watching the hbo show euphoria okay and there's like a couple in there I think the the dude is a little older in college, and then the girl is Sydney Sweeney, who's kind of like oh the boy. breakout yeah. hot chick from the show. And then they're watching Fear, and it's like the scene that you see on the show is where like Mark Wahlberg's like punching himself in the chest, which well, is that, like one of the iconic. Oh scenes. yeah, and that was always in the trailer, and it definitely was marketed in the trailer like a horror movie because they would hone in on the moment where he's unlocking the door from the outside, you know, yeah, because he has the code, right, but. Watching it through, there, yeah, there's not that many scary moments in it. No, I, I do think it's kind of a weird title for this movie. I don't know what the title should be necessarily, but overprotected wild dads. horses. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah, there's two songs in the movie. I don't want to come back down from this cloud by Bush, and then somebody doing a cover of Wild Horses, but they feature both of those songs multiple times. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the songs okay. as we go. Please. Uh, Fear came out in 1996. Directed by James Foley, who's still out there doing it. He yeah. directed the two sequels to Fifty Shades of Grey. So, I mean, wow. he's still doing, like, kind of big movies. Yeah. 
<laughs> kind of like good movies too, I would say. Written by Christopher Crow, no relation to Cameron Crow. I believe the Forgotten Crow. He's written like a few other things. I think he wrote Last of the Mohicans, maybe. All right. So he had like a few movies that got made. It stars Mark Wahlberg, Reese Witherspoon, William Peterson, Alyssa Milano, and Amy Brenneman. Yeah. Budget of six point five million at the box office. It brought in twenty point eight. Was kind of a sleeper hit despite bad reviews. Uh, producer Brian Grazer is one of uh, Ron, Ron Howard's Howard, guys. Yeah. He produced this movie, was kind of marketing it as Fatal Attraction for Teens. <laughs> so I watched. Which is kind of like a weird thing to want to market. <laughs> I watched Fatal Attraction and Endless Love in leading up to this as well, just to kind of put this movie into context. And it's kind of like a combination of the two of those movies. But. Fear is way more entertaining than Endless Love, which is not really a great movie at all, even though it's like the first on-screen debut of Tom Cruise in one scene. And, you know, Fatal Attraction is still pretty fun, I guess. It is less relatable to me, I guess, since I've never been married. But sure, Fear always seems like very interesting because there's so much going on in the movie that I'm not really sure what they were going for with a lot of the stuff that's happening in Fear, but it makes it like, I, I wouldn't say better okay, than Fatal Attraction, because Fatal Attraction is a well-made, well-crafted movie. Yeah, It was a huge hit. It was like the right time for it. So I'm not going to say like Fear is better than it, but Fear has like a lot of weird shit going on that doesn't contribute necessarily to the direction of the plot. Like The plot is pretty straightforward. You know where it's heading. It gets there. But there's all these little, like, side things where you're like, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> like, people are always saying weird things <laughs> that's true, and yeah. doing weird things in this movie. Particularly, I feel like, uh, Alyssa Milano and Amy Brenneman. I feel yes. like those two more so than anyone else. Yeah, which makes you wonder, is this movie, like, misogynist? Is it, like, anti-woman? Are they portraying all of the women poorly on purpose? Yeah. Or... If not on purpose, just sort of through like a I will blind. Say, I find myself not thinking negatively about any of the female characters in this movie. Not negatively? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of a fan of all three. Yeah, I was kind of blown away by how hot I was finding Amy Brenneman. <laughs> Me too. And I, I considered, like, after watching this, I was like, man, I should go back and watch, like, NYPD Blue. And then I was just like, I don't yeah. even know where you can find those. Well, for someone point. that's watching, like, X Files right now, the amount of, like, pressure to watch 24 episode shows yeah it's, it's just like it's it's from another time you have to sit through a lot of dennis franz oh, yeah, ass right. yeah dennis franz yeah. and then you might get like a little quick shot of like an amy brenneman ass or oh, that, that might be worth it for me though <laughs> based on how i was feeling after i watched fear i was saying to you before we started recording this is like the ultimate dream come true slash nightmare for all these like weird fathers out there who get like real hung up on their daughter's sexuality that's like our demographic actually for the show you know what i mean like those guys that'll post like some kind of like i'm such a badass type thing about like better not mess with my daughter yeah you know and the meanwhile, their daughter's like seventeen. It's just I do like, feel like what the, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, the dad character in this movie has somewhat of a complex outside of what's going on with his daughter. He has like this weird macho faux persona, you know? Yeah, and you can see William Peterson's hard dick in 
to live and die in LA, by the way. Wow. If anyone's interested. Not a lot of actors you can say that about. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty rare sight. <laughs> to live and die in LA is an awesome movie, but William Peterson by the time 96 rolls around, not really in a ton of like big movies. I think what I forget what show he would end up on, one of those CSI's or something. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, CSI I think it is. I don't know. I always found this kind of shit weird and then the way that this movie is set up it's got that sort of like contrived feeling of like, well, let's get this secluded crazy house where there's like this private security oh, guard, nuts. yeah. but then we'll get rid of the security guard. So it sets up this situation, which I guess is the situation that those dads who post on like Facebook or whatever, or before Facebook just generally live this life of like, no guy is going to have sex with my daughter. And I'm like so concerned about who my daughter's having sex with, even though she's like now 18 or something. And it all like pays off. It's like, well, I have to protect her now at the end of this movie. Yeah. I, speaking of that, I, I love these 90s opening to movies where it's like the, the title sequence is just like these like music pump in like shots of the city, like, you know, leading all the way to their house. Oh, yeah. The yeah. score is done by Carter Burwell. Burnell, maybe. I, I can't even read my writing. And it is like a quintessential 90s score. It reminded me a little bit of like Wild Things or something and that panning over the top of stuff yeah and it kind of just sucks you right in and there aren't movies that feel like this now and not just like what the movie's about but like that kind of just set you up very quickly and take care of business in like an hour and a half and again i mean i guess we talk about all the time there's just not a lot of movies that are on their own not tied in with anything else and just kind of like entertain you for with this story and then get out and there's no hope of like sequels or right anything like that and we were saying like this kind of was leading into that time where not only i mean obviously we had like the teen movies of the late 90s but teen horror in particular was also sort of well, a, that does a make me think like who do you think this movie was marketed towards because it is rated r yeah but would adults necessarily have that much interest in this because it feels to me like it's being marketed for teenagers. It Well, yeah, and that's what brings me to this concept that they've been talking about doing like a reboot of this movie through the female's eyes, like the girl's eyes. And I was like, from her perspective, and I was like, well, how would that really be that different? Yeah. I mean, I know that it's from William Peterson's character's perspective mostly, this movie, okay. but not all the time because no, there's, there's definitely tons of, of scenes that just... he wouldn't know about absolutely so it's not like one of those type of movies anyway so just saying like we're gonna do fear through the girl's perspective i'm like well how would that really be that different i don't, I don't know but that does feel like maybe like a pg-13 cop-out type thing like they did remake endless love a few years ago nobody saw it, it got terrible reviews <laughs> but that was like this pg-13 version of this movie that you know really wasn't even that big of a hit to begin with and then i don't know i could definitely see the same thing with fear like let's do this as like a pg-13 and like like really push it towards teens it would be forgettable yeah well everything is sure but this movie does remind me a little bit not in terms of what it's about or what it looks like or anything but just this like obsession with female sexuality that brings us back to stuff we probably talked about when we did eyes wide shut in that movie it's a husband like not being able to to deal with his wife having sexual fantasies that don't involve him or that she her sexuality is like separate from him and this is like a father who's yeah. because okay <laughs> in the in this movie obviously 
the character of David, played by Mark Wahlberg, turns out to be terrible. And so everything <laughs> is justified, right. and of course it makes sense. But like, but he could have been wrong. He's a little yeah. hung up on everything, and it, it's just further complicated by Amy Brenneman's character and her relationship with Reese Witherspoon, who's like, I guess her stepdaughter. Yeah. And the Alyssa Milano character and Reese Witherspoon's dad staring at her ass and like her, but her like her egging him. Up. Yeah, she's yeah. like doing it on purpose. It's just like it's a fucking wild movie. It is. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is like when he goes to talk to I, I think it's like, I don't know, his friend who's like a lawyer or something. Yeah. And his friend is just basically like, I mean, what do you expect to happen? Your daughter's fucking hot. Like, <laughs> basically, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I think, like, a lot of our art and entertainment springs from the idea of people, like, not being able to deal <laughs> with the fact that they have hot children. <laughs> attractive children. Really, yeah. Or uh, attractive wives. or Like, because you could theoretically come up with the whole thing about this particular character, Steven played by Peterson and him not being able to handle his new wife Laura who's younger it's kind of unclear in the movie but it's just I, I seem to get the indication that Steven is not Toby's dad he's just right that's the sense I was getting too yeah I think they actually do say yeah. that because he's like your dad was at the game or whatever right so it, it is weird. There's like a melding of these families. We don't really get the whole backstory which I think was in the original script about Nicole, that's Witherspoon's character, her mom and what went on. And I think there was yeah. like maybe flashbacks that they didn't film or that's something. That's okay. We something don't need like it. That. This is what I loved about these 90s movies. Just like cutting room Clean. floor. Just Fuck get it, it right yep. to it. We know what people want and we'll, we'll give it to them. <laughs> yeah. The movie starts with the pan over the Seattle suburbs, which is like the quintessential 90s city. Yeah. With this great soundtrack. We meet Nicole Walker. She lives with her dad, Steven. His new wife, Laura, and then the younger son, Toby. And it's like, imagine being this kid, like your stepsister's Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> well, and a lot happens to this kid, and we'll get into it later, but it's just like, he does. it feels like he would have some trauma to deal with oh, post yeah, the events definitely. of this movie. <laughs> As is the case with like a lot of these movies, and this is something that we talked about in everything from like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to like whatever, where... Either it's like a lot of weird inventions. The Secret World of Alex Mack. Or it's like this house. This the house is like its own private gated community. Right. Where there's like no other houses in it. And then they have like a security guard. Just for this house. Yeah. So you're like, it's, well, obviously these point, people are super rich. I am just like, how much money does this guy make? I mean, they do point out that his job is like stressful and there's like a lot on the line at different times. I mean, Seattle property ain't cheap and they're like a private lot on the fucking ocean right and she does say at one point laura like you designed this house she said that, right yeah like at the end or whatever so like he's obviously like some kind of like architect maybe or something i don't even know they do have scenes of him like at his job but like there's never really any yeah i, I was it thinking like he was yeah, designing a building for, or something right for something in vancouver yeah we i would know. find out <laughs> There's potentially a lot going on underneath the surface in this house with this family. Like I said, I think there probably was a little bit more of a backstory at one point. Their finances are crazy, and that does seem to be a point of stress at one point. And we're kind of left as viewers to guess like what the past was. 
what happened in the first marriage, where is Nicole's mom, what is the relationship like between Nicole and her mom if she's still alive, and what happened that led to the divorce, how did he meet this younger woman, how does Nicole feel about that? Yeah, well, that we get a little bit of. She she doesn't seem super thrilled. (laughs) Almost every line in this movie is kind of its own little treasure. I agree with that. Where you can kind of unpack like what they're saying. Sometimes it's just because it's funny, because it's like weird 90s slang that barely anyone ever used. And you're kind of like, why would you say it like this? But then other lines you're like, well, you know, lay down on the couch here and... (laughs) <laughs> and, and let's uh, hear your whole story because there's a lot going <laughs> really, on here. Yeah. I'm going to play psychiatrist for a minute. There's tensions between almost everyone in the movie at some point, and the tensions are like sexual and psychosexual, and you're like, huh. Because <laughs> they definitely could have made like a very straightforward kind of boring thriller about a crazy guy dating a, a teen girl and yeah. it could still be entertaining but it would be very straightforward i do think the dialogue and like the weird commentary and these like things that they're saying to each other does help add to the overall tension of the movie you know i didn't really think of this till just now but it's kind of comparable to the original the beguiled the one with clint eastwood oh, wow. and then like if they remake fear it'll be like Sofia Coppola's version of The Beguiled, which kind of took all of the weird shit out of the original. Yeah. There's a lot of weird shit going on in that original version of The Beguiled, which we watched that one time. And Yes, we did. When we went to see the Sofia Coppola version, I think we were both like, oh, yeah, this is like pretty good. Yeah. It's not great, but it was like pretty good. And then we saw the original, and we were like, why did they take out like all this weird stuff yeah, that I makes know. it like so much more interesting? And that's kind of like what will happen with a remake of Fear. Like all of the weird shit will probably be gone. Yeah, and it'll like, be very straightforward. Let's. I mean, she won't even have a dad. Like dad out of the mix. And like, <laughs> then what would the movie be about? <laughs> like, well, she'll kill him herself. Yeah, because right. we got to empower. Like the three chicks will kill the the dudes that she'll come. be Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay, <laughs> and it'll have like a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> And then it'll make like 2.8 million opening weekend, and there'll be so many tweets about it. Well, uh, yeah, although at this point we're like pretending like there's going to be movies opening That's in theaters. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Which is a sad thing. Nicole's best friends are Margot, played by Alyssa Milano. And, yeah. Um, and Gary, played by Todd Caldicott. I feel like I recognize him, but that, when you say that name, I don't recognize yeah. yeah, I did kind of recognize him too. What is Gary's deal? Because. <laughs> When you first watch this movie and you're not paying super close attention to every detail, I would always get like the vague sense that Gary was dating Margot, but that's clearly never happened yeah. and not what's going on and never really a thing at all. Yeah. He's just this dude that hangs out with Alyssa Milano and Reese Witherspoon all the time. And he doesn't want to fuck either of them. Well, I think he wants to. He just like <laughs> knows that he can't. Um which he, I can he's relate the, to uh, I, us of this movie. Yeah, I mean But the one thing where like I, I do have I mean, I would be cutting my arm off just to be, like, friends with Margo. But the one thing that where I don't relate to Gary is, like, once things start turning bad, he's, like, jumping up and, like, defending them and stuff. It's I would be like, look at the guy that you chose to date. Like, this is what happens when you date fucking psychopaths. Like, this is your fault, you stupid bitch. <laughs> like, I've been sitting here available. I mean. Matt, the original nice guy. The original <laughs> incel. <laughs> You're just, like. I, I'm in love with you. Why can't you see that, you fucking cunt? <laughs> I'm such a nice guy. Well, 
Well, it's just like, I mean, like, listen, look at this guy, Margo, that you're picking. I mean, he seems it is like true. a convict. It is true. Like, obviously, you don't want to spiral into that, like, nice guys <laughs> thing. And so you can kind of, like, get it with Reese and Mark Wahlberg. He seems like kind of like a, a normal, handsome yeah, guy. Yeah, for sure on the surface yeah the dude that margo goes for it's like what the fuck <laughs> he first of all he looks like he's 38 i know right my favorite part is that like him dancing at the rave <laughs> that dude <laughs> that's like a real weird scene really nicole margo gary they have like the typical high school concerns grades parents wanting to be cool wanting to fall in love i, I mean i don't know what nicole and margo would have to like worry about being cool they would be the coolest yeah, people well, that's met. how it always is yeah. with these movies. Like, they just cast like unbelievable looking people, and then you have to act like they're relatable. <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> like when Chloe Grace Moretz is Carrie in the Carrie reboot, and you're like, you're telling me this isn't the most popular girl in school, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but aside from being good looking, they seemingly come from like money, and yeah, that always helps. Early on in the movie, there's uh, the first time that Nicole and company cross paths with david who is mark Wahlberg, and his little crew and yeah we get that first look at the guy that will be margo's object of interest and it's like yikes <laughs> holy shit <laughs> they're at some like i don't even know the what hangout that, place like a cafeteria <laughs> not a cafeteria uh, yeah, a cafe it's or like something. you can get like sandwiches and coffee but then they also have pool, pool tables, tables upstairs in the back. Yeah. it's like how's this place staying in business <laughs> you'd think the rent of this place would be a little high for a place where you can just like order coffee and cake that's true yeah <laughs> it's a lot of square footage there is going to be a rave and margo wants to go uh nicole is supposed to go to like a james taylor concert with her family and so she doesn't think she can go. And then it's very clear from the scene that, like, David and this other dude are going to be going. Right. And they're, like, exchanging a lot of eye contact with Nicole and Margot and stuff. And you're they're making like, okay, eyes. here we go. Yeah. Gary oblivious. Eventually, Stephen breaks the news to everyone that he's going to have to do more work and they're not going to go to this concert, which really seems to, like, piss Laura off, like Amy Brenneman. She's like, this was your idea to go to a James Taylor. <laughs> he's, like, all mad. <laughs> I'm like, was James Taylor, like, were people in the 90s still, like, super Hard to psyched? say, yeah, what uh, level of demand his uh, shows were having at this point. Although it's down at the pier, I mean. That's true. You know? Yeah. Seems like a fun night out. It turns out that Nicole was able to go, and she calls Margo, and she's like, this is what I meant when I said every line is interesting, because even though this line has, like, no deeper meaning to it, just the way she says it is weird. She's like, Fifth and Waterston, I'm with you like what yeah like why would you call someone and say that why wouldn't you be like hey you know that rave i think i can go now <laughs> a much more normal way to say it <laughs> i'm speaking in code Fifth like and Watterson, my phone is I'm tapped or something yeah <laughs> so they go and then this is the first actual meeting with david mccall nicole falls for him pretty quickly like right away he's this good looking guy he's sweet and charming he's older i think it's interesting because now and if you're going to do this movie, the age gap either can't exist at all or it has to be the yeah. main focal point of like what the movie's about. It's very brushed aside. He's supposed to be like 21 or 22 and she's like 16 in the movie. I know. And they just kind of act like Yeah, I don't think that's this would normal fly now. <laughs> yeah, and also like 
remember a, a time in your life when like being older was cooler and a good thing <laughs> wow that feels far removed from now <laughs> yeah it's like the meme of steve buscemi like with the backwards hat it's like what's up my fellow kids <laughs> that's like us <laughs> anywhere <laughs> like everyone just looking away ashamed <laughs> Even by the time I was, like, getting out of high school, which would be, like, I don't know, six years after this movie and, you know, the f- the few movies after that. So, the, by the time I'm, like, David's age, which would have been, like, 2004-ish, like, okay. the idea of, like, dating a 16-year-old girl in high school would have been so embarrassing and creepy. <laughs> like, we knew dudes – I mean, maybe sure. not that diff- that much, but, like, you yeah. knew dudes that were, like – getting to the point of being like almost done with college or like they didn't go to college or whatever, but they're like hitting their twenties and they're still dating girls in high school that aren't even seniors. Like that definitely happened. Yeah. And there were some times where it was like straight up illegal, but like times where it was like real weird. And, and those people would kind of be a social pariah. <laughs> like yeah. People would be like, Oh, you know, normal people, respectable right. people. <laughs> but you know, in this movie, it's kind of just, you know, that's the way it is. The rave quickly descends into chaos, and it's this excuse for Nicole and David to escape together, and they have this time together. You know, they're going off the roof of the building, then they're, like, escaping in his car. Margot goes off with the other guy, so she's separated from the friend that she came with. Very quickly, there's, like, this facsimile of a romance, but when you pay attention to everything that David says during this first night together between the two of them, it's very, like creepy and odd yeah absolutely but it is the type of stuff that i think a young inexperienced girl would not pick up on necessarily and there's some things that he says that just like don't even make sense (laughs) what when he's like my parents fought like yeah what did he say master stovetop (laughs) like Like, the way he says shit is like really weird i know well i love when he's like (laughs) what i've learned is whenever something seems like it's too good to be true it probably isn't it's like yeah i mean he does have do that psychological thing where he makes it seem like he should not believe in her versus what really should be happening which is her not believing in him well it's a pretty standard manipulation move (laughs) it's like you're the one that i should be suspicious of right for some reason Even though it's like you've seen my best friend that I pal around with, he looks like he's right. Even though there are definitely like arrested red flags because they're out late together, and then she says, "I have to be home." Like I have this curfew, and he oh. just like takes her watch yeah. and scrolls it back like a half. Hour. I do like this as being something that exists in a movie, just because it's like so far removed from the world we live in now where it's just, you know, with everyone having cell phones yeah, and, and like a clock basically on them at all times. So I kind of like it for that. The fact that this is a repeatedly used tactic in this movie. <laughs> well, it's not like he really gets away with it. That's true. Because it's like she saw, she watches him do it and yeah. she's just kind of like, all right. And then later on, it kind of becomes pretty obvious what happened. I think even to Steven, who's like kind of, Fool, uh, how does Stephen fall like, for it though? Even well, it it doesn't really have that much of an effect on that night. That's though. true. Yeah, it's just kind of like I don't know a dick thing to do, I guess. Wahlberg's accent is kind of hilarious in these scenes. It's like so Boston that like they almost have to like 
reiterate like oh he comes from out east you know and he's just kind of coming here and he's spinning this yarn of like i have this perfect idyllic background like a normal family and everything's fine meanwhile we'll find out of course he like doesn't really have a family he's been in and out of like juvie and then like jail and stuff and you know everything he says is like a lie sure but the weirdest part is when she basically tells him i'm a virgin without saying it necessarily that clearly because he's like almost kind of going for it already and he's like i don't know what could not be perfect about you and she's like well she sees that as like a negative like i haven't had sex with anyone yet and the way he responds to that is like (laughs) even creepier than imagine you could ever imagine he's like that's just one more thing for me to admire (laughs) yeah i know this whole sequence it's a lot of cringe what nothing Oh, there's not nothing going on behind those beautiful eyes of yours. Tell me. I was just thinking that, you know, you're not at all like what I expect you to be the first time I saw you. How so? I don't know. You're just... You're sweet. But you're the one that's hiding something. It's just that I was taught that if something seems too good to be true, then it probably isn't. Yeah. So far, what I know about you is you're beautiful, you're incredibly perceptive. I just need to know like one flaw so I can believe the rest. Get a week. David, I gotta go. My curfew's at midnight. So then Nicole gets home and her dad is out of town doing this job in Vancouver. So it's just Laura waiting up for her and Laura's like super pissed. And it culminates with Laura saying, take off your makeup. You look like a slut. Yeah. (laughs) Which when we say like everything's really weird about this movie, like the the relationship between Laura and Nicole is like very strange. And there's a lot of tension. Slightly sexual maybe? (laughs) Well, I just think that the movie's going for the idea that we have this guy who I don't know how old William Peterson is at this time, probably supposed to be like what, forty five? Okay. L- like yeah. mid to late forties. And he's dating a younger woman who's like in maybe her like early thirties. And she's like or she's married or he's married to her. And she's like closer she's like right in between the age of like Steven but also David. 
So then that adds like a whole weird thing where she's like kind of <laughs> yeah. close in age to David just as much as she is to Steven. Yeah. But she's not old enough to actually be Nicole's mother, I think is the issue. And so then they almost see each other as like sexual rivals in a weird way wow. rather than yeah. a mother figure or a daughter figure, you know. And so th- she can't help herself but like say this like really shitty stuff that if you threw that into like a 2020 movie and just left it hanging there, which <laughs> yeah. is what they do because they right. don't really get into it. Well, right. People would be like, that's fucked up. You can't have that. Like she's you well, know, even shaming later when her dad blah, blah, blah. brings it up, which, you know, you don't see that scene where Nicole is like, you know, your fucking new wife called me. No, a he, slut. no she says it. In the oh, movie, does she? But she doesn't give the context. She's just like, oh, she called me a slut or whatever. And then she okay. storms out. Yeah. And then like, yeah, Stephen like brings it up to her. <laughs> and then you, you know he's just sort of like okay well fair enough and she's like well no i didn't call her so i said she looked like a <laughs> she's good, like playing that yeah, game <laughs> good pullback but when steven gets back he goes easy on nicole and laura doesn't like it and that's when they like have the confrontation over that and so at the beginning laura is like you need to be tougher on her because she's just doing whatever she wants which is weird, and it, it, it completely flips later in the movie when Steven, like, loses his cool over David, and then Laura is kind of the one enabling it. That's right, yeah. Which is really fucking dark. Kids will be kids, yeah. at that point, it becomes, well, we'll get there. Yeah, true. So then it cuts to, like, this almost, like, montage thing of David moving into Nicole's life, and we get come down by Bush. So in case you yeah, were right. somehow still confused... As to whether or not this movie is awesome or not, it's confirmed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. When Come Down by Bush starts playing, and then like, like later, I need surround sound just to like start <laughs> blasting this. Later, they'll bring that song back, but they'll also play uh, Machine Head by Bush. So That's right. Two yes. cuts from Sixteen Stone, which was like just sort of definitely like, one of the big albums of '96 era, like yeah. that '95 '96 time period. Lot of radio play. That's right. Yeah. Bush was like my first concert, actually. Oh, wow. Just sort of like Very weird. Yeah, really kind of capturing the culture at the time too. I feel like I remember like Bush performing on like MTV Spring Break and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. when they were playing Glycerine That's in, right, the rain. in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think younger people don't really get how big of a deal the Gavin Rossdale, Gwen Stefani marriage. That's what I mean. Like, that was like the marriage well, for us. Because he got to really like Bush's relevance was like way over it for how long he kept that marriage going. Oh, well, yeah. You're saying like her fame eclipsed his pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And he was able to like keep it going for But like I think years like when after. they met, I think No Doubt was like opening up for Bush. Is yeah. Like when they met. I would believe that. Yeah. Because Bush was, like, very huge, but it was, like, very quick. Because by the time, like, their follow-up album, Razorblade Suitcase, came out, Oof. it started... Oof. Th- there was, like, a couple of good songs on yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm but, more like, just thinking, like, the name of the album. Oh, well, yeah, all the names of their albums <laughs> yeah. are terrible. It started to, like, dry up pretty quick. And then the album after that, even, uh, you know, the the hits weren't right. really coming. And now they're playing in, like, parks for free. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and no doubt, it's not like they were always on top. They definitely had some dips, but yeah, she was like this hot blonde chick, and and, you and know, also just like ca- went kept on getting this more big solo career too. Yeah, and just became like a thing. And you know what's funny? Like he cheated on her like early on, and they almost got divorced. And I remember that being like a whole big thing. And then they didn't. And then I think he just like cheated on her more 
and then wow. that's why they got divorced and now she's like so much more famous yeah <laughs> and she's like way older than you would think but she still looks like the same basically totally but yeah, for like people my age, mid to late 30s now, I mean, that relationship was like our thing. Like people that listen to like alternative music right, yeah. and like rock music, we were like, they were like our king and queen. That was like, you know, the royal <laughs> wedding or whatever when yeah. they got together, yeah. And then breaking up was sort of, it's been like a while now, but that was like, well, I guess we're not kids anymore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing that made us realize. Yeah, not our own parents getting divorced. <laughs> I, or like how old we actually were. Or 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Them getting a divorce was like our 9-11. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Boy. Yeah, well, you know what? We haven't recorded in it's a long time. It's been a while, time. so yeah. We, yeah. Like I was almost Some like, of these jokes that we would just do like off mic are now starting <laughs> to bleed onto the show. At first, life's a dream for Nicole. She's like so happy to be with this guy. He seems like really great. And meanwhile, like Margot and Logan are like a thing all of a sudden. And that's just like grotesque. But for people who are like older than like a 16 year old girl, like when you watch this movie, you're like, holy shit, everything that David says is fucking weird. <laughs> he says, like, you know, every part of you tastes so good. Oh, which like, all right, if you're like in some sort of like a wild sexual relationship and you say that in during sex it's one of those things but he's like, like kissing her and she's like a 16 year old girl who's like a virgin it's just a weird thing to say i mean there's certain things that can be said in like a movie like nine and a half weeks but it's just like <laughs> if you're actually a dude dating a chick you can't say these things yeah it's it's weird nicole introduces david to the family this is like a pretty great sequence here of everything it's because you can kind of put yourself in Steven's shoes a little bit. Like, I do think, like, he's a little bit crazy in this movie. But there is that thing where you meet someone. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, your daughter's boyfriend. It's just someone you meet in your life. And you can kind of tell that it's, like, an act, whatever yeah. they're doing. And you're kind of, like, seeing through it. And other people aren't. And you're kind of like, what? what's this dude's deal? Because... You know, he's, like, sucking up to Toby, the little brother, and he's right. saying, like, shit to him. And then, like, immediately there's weirdness because, like I said, Laura and David aren't that far apart in age. And so he's, like, he's doing that whole thing of mildly flirting. That, yeah. Like, when you do it with... When and you're I mean, like, I, 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 you kind of feel like she's, like, blushing a little bit over this. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's... Yeah, that is a source of the tension, especially later when oh, yeah. he's, like, picking her up in a swimsuit. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, such a high-cut swimsuit that you're just, like, well, she's almost just nude from, like, the waist down. Because it's, like, it's so He's, like, grabbing cut. her by, like, the hips, but, like, the lower hips. <laughs> <laughs> the lower hips. <laughs> so David has all this charm, but it's harder to convince Stephen. There's a lot of, like, side glances, uh, Stephen not fully buying in, and David's definitely, like, a little over the top. And then there's this weird psychosexual energy and jealousy and all kinds of shit. And it's touched on and hinted at with older guy with a younger wife and Laura obviously being somewhat jealous of Nicole in a weird way. And Steven jealous of David, who's this younger guy. And Laura seems to kind of be digging. And Steven trying to deal with his daughter's budding sexuality as well. And then just for fun, they throw in a moment where Margot comes in and she seems to be intentionally giving... Steven a show by bending over in this miniskirt with like her black panties and she's talking very seductively and Steven is just like ogling her ass <laughs> and David is observing Steven doing this oh, yeah. and then giving him like a knowing look yeah <laughs> and then Steven doesn't know how to process that of just like what, like, well, the what fuck am is I supposed happening? to do 
I, I mean, are you seeing like the like tractor beam that I'm caught in right now? I really don't know what you're supposed to do if that happens. I actually don't because it's like you could say I, you like, would just Margo, be like frozen. Please don't do that. But then it's like, what doors are you opening there? <laughs> yeah, and this is where they go. This is like one of the most iconic scenes in film history because they go <laughs> to the amusement park. Yeah, and you have wild horses by the. It's a cover by the Sundays. Okay. Often misattributed to Mazzy Star back in like the days of like Napster and shit, where you would get songs labeled yeah, like weird stuff. Not for this one, but I I know what you're talking about. How during that era there was always like certain songs that would be listed as if they were by another artist yeah, yeah. for downloads. Yeah, like if there was some pop punk cover, even if it was like Me First and the Gimme Gimmies or something, it would always be like attributed to Blink One Eighty Two right, yeah. or something, or and you you would be like, yeah. oh, I didn't know they covered this. Then right. you would listen to it, and you're like, this is not them. Yeah, yeah. Folks, if you're a little younger and you didn't have like the Napster or any of those things, all the, the Napster, ones, drop the the just Napster. Kazaa. What yeah. were the other ones like LimeWire? Wow, yeah, all I, that. I shit. remember them all. You'd be like downloading stuff, and then it would just be random. Sometimes it wouldn't be what you said it was. It would be something misattributed like this. Because I always thought for years it was Mazzy Star because of that, because of getting a, oh, wow. a yeah. download. And it's saying that it was Mazzy Star, but it's actually the Sundays who, you know, kind of sound like Mazzy Star anyway. Okay, yeah. They're like the Kmart of Mazzy Star. Full on now, making out, and one of the most important, yeah, a, what memorable a scenes. Wild thing to throw into a movie. I mean, this is like a scene that got traction. Like, this is a scene that people talked about in school. Well, this back in was, the day. I mean, you know, we talk and about for it. For people all the who time. don't know, don't know what we're re- referencing, the finger blasting on the this roller coaster. This is one of those key. <laughs> events i mean you know it's one of our favorite topics on this show the time period of the 90s leading all the way up to the janet jackson at the super bowl <laughs> incident this was one of those culminating moments it was all happening during that I think build. part of it was that there wasn't a lot of like teen fingering in movies <laughs> I, I mean really it's not an act that but like appears in a lot all, of adult movies either but like you know basically all couples in high school were at least doing this you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm one not of those things that like that tons show, of people yeah. were doing. Yes, but just wasn't really ever depicted in movies very often in any way. I mean, it is here and there, yeah, but yeah, this is right. one of the most famous versions. Absolutely, of it. I would say probably the most famous. Yeah, and I don't know. It 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 always goes on longer than you think it will. Too the scene <laughs> really? is like way longer yes. than you would expect, and you're just like Jesus Christ. Okay. And then, like, later, they're standing at some booth or something, and then that Logan dude just randomly points at Nicole. Do you know what? remember that part? Like, what is that? Yeah. And she's, like, kind of afraid of him. Well. Because, like, Margo's not looking. They're at, like, some different booth, and then that creepy fucking dude just you, points I, at Nicole. I, there is this – David and Logan have this weird thing yeah. where they, like, want to bang each other as girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. I, there I is, like, a like fight for, like, who there. is the alpha in the group. Yes. Because David has, like, this weird gang. They sort of allude to the gang, like, going off and doing some sort of crime, but I don't know that that's ever really expanded on, right? Like, he's no. like, I can't hang out tonight. You know, I got to go do something. And it's like the four dudes are in the car going to do something. Yeah. Illegal, we assume, but. Yeah, we'll get to their their living situation, I think, in a little bit. But first, Stephen and Laura decide that they're both going to go up and have like I guess a weekend together while he's doing this work in Vancouver so they leave Nicole and Toby home alone for a weekend this is something that like a reinvigorated 45 year old 
man who now has like a new younger wife would do. <laughs> like, I guess, yeah. You know, if he's, I just feel like if Nicole's mom's still around, he's not like, let's go to Vancouver. Like, come yeah, come with, with me. me. Yeah, he's like, like desperately stay, trying to get out. He's like, stay home and watch the kid. All right. <laughs> Nicole immediately invites David over. And he's like, well, I'm busy because he's in the middle of like one of these things that you were alluding to with like the crime situation. And she's like, all right, well, I might go to sleep. But she provides him with the security code to type into the keypad so that he can gain entry into the house. And the way that they cut this, it's kind of like, all right, well, we're going to fast forward like six hours because Nicole ends up falling asleep in bed. And then David just shows up and he comes over late at night and lets himself in. And this scene is like very strange and creepy as well. Just not normal teen behavior. I <laughs> no, mean, he's not a teen, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like if sex was on the menu for me in high school or, or around this time, like there's a lot more like nervousness and like almost like not to invoke Woody Allen's name, but you know what I mean? Like a lot yeah. of like anxiety and sure. like nervousness and, and neuroses going on and being like, I don't know what to do and like yeah, being all right. clumsy and weird and, you know, it's definitely not like a porno or anything or like a softcore porno where it's all like very like staged and romantic or anything. Yeah. I'm fumbling around not knowing what to do. In fact, if like if this exact scenario played out for me, I would never I would just be like, well, I can't do this. I'll see you some other time. Yeah. Like I can't just let myself into your house and then go into your bedroom and just stand there. Yeah. I'd be like creeping myself out just like driving down the driveway like late at night. And no one's around. Yeah. He doesn't wake up Nicole right away. He goes through all of her stuff. This is something that did give me pause, though. Like, what is the deal with the security guard? Yeah, I know. Does he not have to go through the gate to get? I wasn't. I wasn't sure what happened. I was just thinking that too. They kind of just ignore that when it's convenient. It's yeah. like, would the security guard be like, "Yeah, I guess I'll let this dude onto the property at like two in the morning <laughs> when we know that the parents aren't there." Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think so. But like, obviously. They must have more than one guard, or they the guard is only this there just sometimes. This guy's 24-7. <laughs> yeah, he lives in that little booth. He, at one point, he's watching Married with Children. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, that's quite a lo- life he's built for himself. So David goes through all of her stuff. He pulls her sheet off of her while standing in his underwear. It, the camera kind of, like, glides over top of her while she's, like, sleeping in, like, a bra and panties, which is kind of weird. When he wakes her up, I mean, she goes for it, though. I mean, she's like, all right, I guess this is happening. And he takes her virginity, uses a condom, which is going to come back later. Yep. And that's always, like, the big moment in these types of stories. It's like they've crossed over into a sexual relationship. So now, using the logic of movies, she's, like, now even more bonded to him. Mm -hmm. But things are going to take, like, a crazy turn literally the next morning. Because David freaks when he sees Nicole hug Gary at school. Like, he's coming to school to, like, pick her up because she's still in high school and he's not. She's walking with Gary, her friend, and hugs him. And then David beats the shit out of Gary. And in the process, when Nicole's trying to, like, pull him off of her, he gives Nicole a black eye. Don't really know how she gets the black eye. She doesn't really get hit in the face if you watch the scene. But somehow she ends up with it. (laughs) <laughs> she's just, like one of those people that she, like the, gets bruises from like did, the wind <laughs> she did like the david thing and she just started like punching herself in the eye afterwards <laughs> yeah i mean this is something that he seems like a psychopath after this and yeah. she treats it that way for a while but then she's sort of like all right well 
He said well, he was sorry. This is why Wahlberg is kind of the right choice for this movie because there's really like two versions of Mark Wahlberg. There's this version in Fear, which is like he's got that ever simmering rage beneath yeah. the surface that based on, you know, hor- horrific real life incidents in Wahlberg's life, we know is there and his kind of just his personality. And then there's the Boogie Nights version of Wahlberg, which yeah. is he's an idiot. Right. <laughs> And so I know, like, Foley only wanted to direct this movie if Wahlberg was cast in it. Like, he thought he was, like, the perfect guy for this. And I kind of get it because he is, like, good-looking enough and, like, charming enough where you could kind of believe a girl falling for him. But then, like, this shit is also super believable. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, this guy's fucking nuts. In 2020... I think most reasonable people, even those in high school with even somewhat decent support systems, would treat this as the end, no matter what. This is the deal breaker, final straw, just too crazy and violent to possibly come back from. But as we are fond of saying on this podcast, this was a different time. Yeah. And though I don't think Laura and Steven are necessarily bad people... It just seems that Nicole's support system does seem a little questionable, and there are maybe Dad's some cracks where distracted. a creep like David yeah. could slide into. Yeah, I mean, Nicole's I not getting what she needs. Like her dad is like not paying enough attention, and then he sees her in a dress, and he's like, "What the fuck is this? Like this dress is too small." That was like the first scene between them in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just can't help but thinking after this Gary incident, and I know this like joke is sort of overdone on the show like us relating to like the most throwaway person <laughs> but like gary it's like oh don't even get me started <laughs> i have a whole gary rap coming up later okay i was gonna say i mean it's just like this is the most relatable thing for me it's just like you hang out with two hot chicks you don't date either of them you get and the shit you get your beat and then eventually you just get your neck snapped <laughs> it's like is there anything more relatable <laughs> nicole tells laura the black eye is from gym class volleyball and oddly enough, out of all of the people in the movie, yeah, I know you Laura would, believes she this would be story the one more than anyone yeah, else. I know. Yeah, I, it's that a total weird. character flip for her, but I guess it's believable because I think maybe we're supposed to th- think that she feels guilty about what she said earlier because she helps Nicole. That's true. Yeah. Put makeup on and like kind of conceal and she it. Is this is now where she is starting to be like more maternal. Yeah, and then there's a really gross moment after this between Laura and Steven where the slut comment like comes up again. And yeah, it's almost used as like a prelude into like kissing and being sexy together. Oh boy. Like, oh, I called her a slut. (laughs) You know know what I'm talking about? There's like, Uh, I kind of, yeah. It's like, I called her a slut before and it's like, aren't I bad? And she's like kissing him. And I'm just like, this is fucking gross. (laughs) They're talking about his daughter. Yeah. Gary refers to David as Travis Bickle. Nice little shout out there. Nicole keeps reiterating that it's over. David stalks Nicole at school and leaves a note in her locker telling him to meet her at that place that with the pool tables. Yeah. He she does not meet him as requested. And so let's discuss David's living situation in this seemingly normal house that once you open the door just has like spray paint on the walls and shit. And it's like David and these other dudes just all crashing at this house, which I guess is like the is house of one dad? of their dads or yeah, something. Yeah, it's one of them. And 
Yeah, it is a nice house that they've seemingly like destroyed. And he's like kind of sleeping on like a cot and like next to it is like, photo booth pictures of him and Nicole, but then also a picture of his own mugshot. I know, I was thinking that too. I'm like, what a thing to hang up. <laughs> yeah, and so you kind of get the full reveal here. Obviously, he's revealed himself to the audience several times, but now we're kind of putting Dude, the pieces together. Like everything he said is not true. He's just completely like this psychotic person. And they, then isn't this another one of those moments where the one friend comes up and he's like, Logan yes. says it's time to go, and he's yeah. like, well, tell Logan to piss off or whatever. Right. And then the other dude's like, well, he's going to be pissed. You, you've you been bailing a lot lately, and David just gives him a look. Yeah. And the other dude just like, all right, well, yep. forget it. <laughs> David sends Nicole flowers. Nicole throws them away, which Laura sees, so everyone is kind of like aware that they've hit some sort of a, a bump in the road. Somehow Laura not putting the pieces together that this all is coinciding with a black eye. It's like, is Laura like an idiot? I know. Well, I, that's the thing. I feel like she's got the hots for him a little bit, and it's, it's clouding her judgment. That night, Nicole is crying so hard that Steven and Laura can hear, which is absurd. <laughs> like, Why is she Just having it hard? all out, like throwing herself on the floor. <laughs> Laura volunteers to go, and so they're kind of having this weird mother-daughter bonding. And I only say it's weird just based on their relationship up until this point. And then Steven comes in anyway, and he is the only one that's suspicious of the black eye. Although he didn't seem to notice it in the previous scene, and you never see him actually like learning about it or understanding that she has one, but then he just brings it up. It's kind of like a weird... Yeah. I feel like they should have had a scene of him being like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then like Laura being like explaining it for her or whatever I, she does actually Laura does tell him about it but she he never like acknowledges seeing it and then he just decides that he knows where it came from Laura is kind of being protective of Nicole and being like get, just get the fuck out of here but then when he goes to hand Laura the tissues he finds the condom wrapper and freaks oh, out no. although he doesn't actually confront Nicole with the condom wrapper which makes the scene even weirder because Nicole then doesn't know why he's like flipping out all of a sudden when he was about to leave <laughs> yeah so this of course is the final straw in his mind he's flipping out and being like you're not allowed to leave the house unless I know who it's with and if I don't like it you can't go and she, you know Nicole's like screaming back at him and it's very funny watching this scene just watching Amy Brenneman who doesn't yeah. speak just watching her look at the other two back and forth like her face well she was i mean she had to like let these two have it out i mean well yeah, yeah. it's just i'm just saying just but, from thinking of her as an actress not oh, as yeah. her as the okay. character just yeah. like her watching this unfold and of course this has the opposite effect because anytime now that he's going to the dad is going to insert himself into this and yeah. try to prevent her from doing this that just means the just opposite is going to happen yeah. everyone in the movie including Steven, is underselling the abusive angle, especially Laura. Mm -hmm. But no one seems to think that that is, like, the biggest deal, which is kind of troubling in this movie. <laughs> Where you're like, yeah. okay, uh, this dude who's older... I mean, it wouldn't make any difference if they were the same age or even if the dude was younger, but, I mean, it's just like this full adult man is dating my teenage daughter and may have punched her in the face. And... They're kind of underselling it. <laughs> They're kind of like, well, that's bad, but yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, she's not admitting that that's what ha that you know that it True. even came from David, but still, it's like, what else? I could think have we happened? all know. 
but then there's a scene between Margot and Nicole where Margot doubles down and she's just kind of like, that's just their way of showing you that they love you, which <laughs> yeah, is one of the more crazy. fucked up moments. This is wild, yeah. There, you know, we always talk about like, if this wasn't a movie now, but it's like, can you imagine them writing this for a female character to say to another female? Yeah, well, they definitely make Margot despicable enough sometimes where you think of, that she could just get killed in this movie. She's kind of like, the Mina Suvari character a little bit where you feel like yeah oh from, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a Beauty lot of where, tough talk going on right yeah and you feel like some of these her motivations to say some of these things are maybe based on her own issues and not her sure. true thoughts on the other hand she is dating Logan who is just like scary <laughs> <laughs> a trash bag of really? a human being yeah there is a part here where Margot gets Nicole to admit that she did sleep with David and then Margot I guess does have kind of a an incisive thought here where she's just kind of like, you know, it's that usual weirdo jealousy trip talking about Nicole's dad. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's like what is so weird about this movie. And it is interesting that a character is calling it out being like, (laughs) what is the deal with like dudes like this who are just like so obsessed? Like, I know it is weird. I don't know. It's like too over the top. Yeah. I mean, I get it though. I guess in this scenario where the guy is maybe supposed to be like 22 or 23. Well, that's true. Yeah. And they kind of, no one's really giving him the benefit of the doubt of that either. Like who? Like the other characters in the movie, Laura, his friends, whoever else talks about this, they aren't like, yeah, isn't it weird that this dude in his 20s is like dating your high school daughter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody, yeah. That's the thing. Like everybody undersells the abuse, but also they also just don't even acknowledge that the age difference is pretty inappropriate. Yeah. He should be like walking around be- being like, am I the only one that thinks this is fucking weird? Yeah, technically, I think he could push for statutory rape charges if yeah. if he is like uh, actually twenty three. Also, they don't really ever say that. Next the ages. episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stats really? going on in these two eps. Yeah, <laughs> although the next one is like it, there is no none, which actually makes it weirder because you're like, what is happening with right. these people? Yes. I don't really get it. <laughs> anyway, David and the gang show up at Margot's, and Nicole tries to flee but is stopped by David, and then it leads to their reconciliation. Oh, Nicole, just give me one minute. Listen, I know you don't want to see me again, but I still have to explain there's nothing that I can say will make what I did all right. I know that, but I need you to know that it came from someplace good. It came from me feeling like I'd do anything to protect you. From Gary? I didn't know it was Gary. I swear, all I saw was some guy with his paws all over you. I don't know how many bad guys are out there. Guys that would take advantage of somebody like you. Guys that I would kill if they ever did anything to hurt you. I just lost it. I want you to know that I'm, I'm very sorry about what happened to Gary. I am. But I can't be sorry that I love you. I learned from you, Nicole. I really did. I learned that I need people more than I thought. I've always been the one taking care of things. And with you, it's different. I want us to take care of each other. And I promise nothing like that will ever happen again. Sorry. 
I have to say that the the streamlined cutting of this movie actually works here because you go from like him begging her forgiveness in, when she's like trying to drive away in a jeep to Stephen coming home to find David goofing around with his family in their pool. Boy, including Laura. Oh boy, who as I've pointed out several times seems close in age to David. Yeah. Like if this movie was David David dating. Amy Brenneman's character, like it wouldn't feel that weird. No, they seem kind of, you know, they feel peers. like peers. Yeah, and it's a disturbing scene to come home to because he feels like he has banned Nicole from spending time with David, and, and Laura has is. kind of just undermined that. David at one point just picks up Laura and just like throws her into the pool, and she's just like laughing and giggling. And oh no, yeah, it's just like it's very strange. This forces Steve to just turn into Detective Steve because now this is when he's like doing all. I gotta this find research. something. He yeah. finds out like the truth about David's past, and nobody seems to care, including <laughs> Laura, Laura, who's now just enabling this full on. Laura not even not just isn't in the camp of doesn't care is basically like trying to convince it, like talk him out of caring. Well, she's just like full on cool mom mode. Yeah. If you're gonna drink, I want you to do it at the house, like you know, oh, like right, yeah. a- Amy Poehler's character from Mean Girls or yeah, something. Yeah. Just like, well, Stephen, you know she's gonna just go with him anyway. Might as well just have them do it at the house. That's and right. just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the type of girl in high school who's like mom just like lets her have sex in the house. <laughs> I, I mean, there are always like girls yeah. like that where you're just like, this is a fucking wild scene over here, <laughs> and they try to just kind of act like the dad is like oblivious because sex is safer in the house than somewhere else. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it just kind of the pervasiveness. Well, we don't is want it to a be level in, like, where the woods it's like or weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to think of my daughter having sex in the backseat of a car. Right. <laughs> That's like Laura at this point. Laura is kind of like I'm only like 33. Um, I shouldn't have got remarried again so quick. I kind of enjoying like the flirtatious nature of this, you know. <laughs> Steven's kind of like a buzzkill, yeah, right? <laughs> when David is going to pick up Nicole from school, Steven shows up and demands that he follow him around the corner and talk to him. And then Steven is like, "You're not seeing my daughter anymore. You're not allowed." And David just kind of like brushes this off in a way that is kind of chilling where he's just kind of like, he's not phased by this at all, which is funny when comparing that to the scene in endless love where the dad is like, you're not going to see my daughter now for a month or whatever, which is completely different. But in that movie, they just want them to take like a break. And then in this movie, he's like, you're never going to see her again, kind of a thing. And the dude in Endless Love completely, like, flips out and has, like, a tantrum about it. And then, like, David is just like, fuck you. Yeah. And, like, taunts him, basically. You must not be able to please your wife because she's all over my dick. (laughs) You know, Steve, you're really not a faggot. What? I'm serious. You seem like a pretty solid guy. You should lighten up on yourself. We're not talking about me. We're talking. Yes, we are. So that's what this whole thing's about, Steve. Your inadequacies, your fears. You just wait a minute. Now listen to me. See, I'm hip to your problems. All of them. I know you abandoned Nicole when she needed you most. Because I licked her sweet tears. I know about things coming apart at work. Maybe you fucking lost it in that department. I also know you ain't keeping up, so to speak, your end of the bargain with the missus. Because if you were, she wouldn't be all over my stick. 
Relax, Steve. We're friends. We're practically family. I want you to understand something, pal. If you don't disappear from my family's life, I'm gonna rip your balls off and shove them so far up your ass, they'll come out your fucking mouth. You got that, my friend? Steven tries not to, like, lose his cool factor and being in control of the situation, so he's just like, you know, I'll fucking kill you or whatever the fuck he says, I don't know, and he drives off, and then we have the second yeah. most iconic moment after the finger-blasting scene where David just starts punching himself in the chest. Yeah, it is iconic. I I don't really understand get the practicality of it, like why this plan would work, because I would just feel like if I was Nicole, I would like really question why my dad would keep punching you in the chest repeatedly. <laughs> like that just well, seems... we've I think it's well established by this point. Nicole was an idiot. Okay, all right, and fair. it seems like everyone kind of just believes it. Even like Laura, once it's like revealed, she's because like, what? you kept hitting him in the chest so hard that he has bruises. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a wild thing. It's like I don't know. Like David is a pretty muscular dude. It, yeah. it just seems like weird that he would want to even admit that like, Oh, your dad beat me up. Yeah. Cause it seems like he would beat William Peterson's ass. Right. Yeah. Or anyone <laughs> he came into contact with. David uses the bruising to manipulate Nicole into thinking Steven attacked him. She believes the story completely and it temporarily strengthens her bond to David, but it doesn't take long for David to blow it though, because he invites Nicole back to his place for some kind uh, of a yeah. party. Which seems like a weird move. Yeah, I feel like if she saw his bedroom, she would Everything be like, would have come crashing down yeah. because he clearly had oh, propped himself up as like not this type of person. Oh, are we just going to spend the night on your lovely cot? And what's that nice picture you hung of yourself on the wall? Especially when we see what's going on at this party. Oh, yeah. She declines and he leaves, but then realizing that it's going to be like an unpleasant scene with her dad at home, she changes her mind and drives to the party, which is at this house that they're all staying at. Yeah, which how does she know where it is? I I don't know. Without being seen, she witnesses Margot, her best friend, smoking oh, crack <laughs> with really? Logan, and then David showing up. This is another scene that would be controversial, too, because Nicole truly makes this all about her. Like, her fantasy world comes crashing down watching this as it plays out. And if you're kind of like more in that old fashioned mindset, you're like, okay, well, Nicole is having sex with David here or about to. But in reality, David is basically forcing her to do it, and it is clearly like Margo. a rape yeah. situation, which is kind of in the fucked up thing about it beyond the actual act itself, which is, of course, the most fucked up thing. Right. But the secondary thing is that it seems to be this weird power play between David and Logan is what it's all about. Yeah, really. Because he just like kind of like, she wants me to do it say you want me to do it and like margo doesn't want to say it but then he kind of like physically makes her say it and then he throws her over his shoulder yeah and like carries her away like a caveman but nicole (laughs) of course only takes this to be like margo is betraying me i know which is nuts It, it is like so fucked up but then on top of that continues to blame margo beyond this night oh yeah even though this like horrible traumatic thing has happened to her now so Nicole goes back home, leaves a note for Stephen apologizing and telling him it's over now. David does not react great to this turn of events because he doesn't know that Nicole saw this all go down. Nobody saw her, but she witnessed all this shit go down. David shows up at school. Nicole freaks. Somehow, in the middle of the cafeteria, no teachers get involved. There's no yeah, adults I, I love anywhere. that this, like, 
dude in his 20s can just come and go from the school whenever well, this he is wants. pre-Columbine. That's true. But there's no teachers. Like, you would think they'd be like, what the fuck's happening? Who is this guy? There's no teachers around. Gary has to intervene. It's enough to, like, get him to stop. Margot shows up at Nicole's house. Nicole ultimately confronts her about what she saw. Margot insists that she was high and forced to do it. Oh, yeah. Which Nicole, I guess, does not buy. And then Margot screams, you're my only friend, in kind of like a sad, pathetic moment. There's a lot of crazy lines in this movie. There's a lot of, like, cringe acting. I think that Alyssa Milano is, like, amazing in these (laughs) scenes where she's, like, the upset friend. Uh, Just the desperation to, like, how bad she needs Nicole to be her friend. Uh, yeah, well, we don't get a whole backstory about Margot. We don't know what her home situation is. We see her mother briefly. Seems like she has money, but it yeah. it might also be like a less than zero thing. Like her parents are just never around. It seems, and her, I mean, her mom is like she makes comments about her mom like dating like this filthy rich dude in like San Francisco or whatever. Yeah, you're my only friend. It's just like <laughs> the greatest moment in this movie. <laughs> So David tracks down Margot on the road, and it's like one of the only major action sequences before the end of the movie, where they're kind of like driving on the road. He's trying to like run her off the road. There's a car coming in the opposite direction. Yeah. She eventually pulls off and pulls over, I guess afraid that there's going to be like a wreck. And he thinks that she told Nicole, and she's like, I didn't tell her. I don't know how she knows. And he's like, but she knows. And she's like, yeah. And he's, like, getting very, like, physical, and he threatens Margot, and he's basically like, you need to convince Nicole to take me back or I'll kill you. I mean, I don't know how you're going to do this. How are you? (laughs) You need to do this. If you do it, it, it's a miracle. (laughs) How the fuck? Well, he's got all of this, like, displaced rage, and he doesn't know what to do with it. So then David, in a weird scene, which almost you don't even have to have in this movie, but it's kind of fun that they put it in here, where David goes back to the Walker house to try and apologize yeah. to Nicole and her entire family, where he's just like, I'm going to pretend like everything There's that's happened is normal. There's a lot you guys normal. don't know about me. Yeah. <laughs> and which he's only talking like- to Steven, and Steven's just like, I don't give a shit about any of this. Yeah. You're never going to see her. So he stonewalls him and gets rid of him. Much to the approval of Nicole, who then we see is, like, standing there off to the side. Yeah. And she's, like, all in favor of this. So then, in possibly, like, one of the crazier parts of the movie, David decides to give himself a tattoo across his chest that says, Nicole for the number, Eva, E-V-A. Yeah, wow. He's, like, carving it into his chest. Really, and I think he took like a pen, right? And he was like rubbing ink on it or yeah, something. Yeah, this feels like a regrettable decision. I mean, yeah, he's like kind of spiraling at this point. You wonder what his life was like pre Nicole. Like, how did this never happen thing. before? I mean, you have to. Th- well, I don't know because it does seem like he'd have attachment issues. My emotions. Yeah. <laughs> so now the part of the film that Matt was alluding to earlier. Oh yeah. Where poor Gary really just walking through the woods, which is kind of a shocking walk home from school i guess that requires you to go through the woods yeah i don't know if that was like he was doing that regularly or if he just i don't know it's kind of a weird scene where david just follow follows him and then chases him down and yeah. ends up snapping his neck which was I, I do feel like that was kind of uh of the ways you could kill people in movies in the 90s like snapping necks was up there You know, it it seemed like that happened a lot in the 90s in movies. Yeah, I think this is your typical kill 
in one of these types of movies to add to the danger level because you're going to end up getting to the end of this movie and without this moment you're going to think like okay well what is the danger here is is murder on the table you need to have that moment where murder's actually That's on the table yeah. because th- you don't actually believe that someone could go through with it until they actually do it gary ends up being this like pretty expendable character but i was just thinking like <laughs> Again, okay so relatable? the rest of this movie is focused on the walker family as has been the preceding part of this movie but just like think of this from like Gary's parents' perspective or like his family. <laughs> you know, like our son is murdered. Yeah, for what? Yeah, it's basically like they could have had a scene <laughs> where like Gary's mother is like fucking Mrs. Kittner and Jaws and she just like <laughs> comes up and slaps Nicole across the face. And her Be dad. Like, you knew. Yeah. <laughs> In the background, at the end of the movie, they should have had on the news, like, Gary's parents, like, being like, our son was murdered. I Meanwhile, heard... like, no one cares. It, Margot and Nicole cry about it for, like, a second, but then it becomes all about them again. Yeah, Gary's mom is just like, I heard that you were dating a psycho, and you knew about it. <laughs> and you did nothing to protect <laughs> Anytime with like movies in general, but especially like movies like this where kind of like side characters get killed off, you can always think about it like, well, what if this was from like their perspective or their family's perspective? This whole thing sounds completely random and insane. And if you're you like, were like Gary's why, parents- is our, why did our son get murdered over this? Well, I know. Like, if it, I'm thinking about it, like watching the movie from like their perspective, it's just like they would probably think that like Margot and Nicole aren't real. Like when he talks about he hanging talks out about with these them. two girls that he hangs out with, we never have seen them. <laughs> yeah, poor Gary, he dies like a virgin, like never having cashed in with either of these two chicks. He I know, and his moment was probably coming up. Like his yeah, moment he could was have been, like just around the if bend. If he could have survived this whole David thing, he could have swooped in. Yeah, and been the beneficiary of really? all of this. Yes. <laughs> Nicole, Laura, and Toby go to the mall. At first, you're like, why is this happening? But while that's going on, Steven finds his classic Mustang convertible vandalized and completely fucked up in the parking garage at his office. And there is a note attached to it that reads, now I've popped both your chariots. <laughs> Which is so fucking great yeah, that is and great. horrifying. <laughs> and I love the weird punctuation where it's like C-H-E-R-R-I-E apostrophe S. Which makes no sense, and it's yeah. just so random. You wouldn't, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't have thought that uh, David had this line in him, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he seems to also be dialed in with what Margot was talking about, like the weirdo jealousy thing. Like, it's kind of like a, a bold move for like the young dude, I mean, I guess he's not like a teenager, but like the young dude dating the, the daughter here to like dial into that. Yeah, I would agree. Being like, your daughter's virginity is one of your cherries. Because he says, now I've popped both your cherries. Meaning, like, I fucked up your cherry convertible here. And I also fucked your daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Steven borrows his associate's car. Which I love, like, being that dude. I need your... (laughs) Being like, what are you going to do with this car? And he's going to drive to this (laughs) house and vandalize it. Yeah, really. So he borrows another car with retribution on his mind. And when he's first asking for the car, I'm thinking, like... Oh, he needs the car because he needs to get home because he's afraid David's, like, doing something 
crazy. Yeah. Not that he needs to borrow the car to go commit a crime. At the mall, David watches Nicole go alone into a bathroom. He follows her in and corners her in a stall. She screams for help. It's kind of this intense assault moment. He's like, no one understands us. They're keeping us apart. He's like really going for like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing that she's thankfully at this point not buying. Yeah. With an address provided by Margot. I love that Margot just is like taking calls from Steven and being like, yeah, this is uh, David's address. (laughs) And not thinking (laughs) anything of it. Right. Steven breaks into the house that David has been staying at with Logan and the rest of the gang. He finds a real disturbing shrine to Nicole stuff he's taken of hers including a pair of her panties the yeah, daddy's which girl is sort of I, I feel like they almost kind of just toss that aside yeah i mean i guess like dad doesn't really need to focus on that but it wow. reminds me like one time i let a girlfriend of mine like borrow like your a, underwear a sweatshirt like a hoodie or something she like washed it and gave it back and i don't know i probably i don't know really know what what happened exactly i think i like threw it in the back seat of my car or something and then like, i took it out and then <laughs> her like thong panties were in it. Oh no. Accidentally. Yeah. And just fell on the garage floor. <laughs> and my dad like found them. He's like, what is this? <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. I don't really know. And I, cause I, I didn't, I was yeah. like, I don't really know what happened. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. it, at the time, I don't really think I, I un- even understood that this is like stuff that dudes did that sometimes yeah. like, you would take your girl's panties or something which believe me it's not like a common thing but it is like a thing sure yeah I, well, I but i had no idea that that was like even a thing so like the whole concept of like why i would even have them i couldn't even understand like why that would be funny or weird or whatever i was just like i don't know why these are there or like what where these came from really and i like i eventually like pieced that all back together i was just like oh yeah i guess they were like probably in the laundry yeah <laughs> But anyway, there's, in addition to the underwear, there's the daddy's girl ID bracelet that he's modified to say David's girl. Yeah, this speaks to a whole level of David that I didn't think and we were going to get to. And <laughs> then the cherry on top is changing the, the family picture thing. with David's head glued over Stevens. Wow. That's like almost something that they hadn't even been preparing us for. Yeah, and then really? it's just like, okay, he's going that deep yeah, with it. Yeah, seriously. And we've talked about other movies, I think, where that is a thing of just like replacing someone in the family. Yeah, I mean, that it was is like weird. Poison Ivy esque. Right. Yes. <laughs> but it's not something you see like, from the dude perspective that often. No. I want to be your dad. Yeah. Except for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's just like, is he thinking like he's going to fuck Laura and Nicole in this scenario? Well, and Toby. Oh, no. <laughs> if we want to get real dark. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where this comes from. It's it's weird. I mean, obviously it plays into him not having like a normal nuclear family and like what he's lacked in his life. Meanwhile, so he goes back to explain this to Laura and she's like, well, yeah, I still don't think it's a big deal. <laughs> Definitely Poison Ivy vibes, single white female vibes, yuppies in peril subgenre here where we have like this rich family and it's just like they're bullshit yeah. and we're supposed to be like super invested in this. Yeah, this is almost too polished, but there are there's definitely like uh, some strands of trashiness. There's definitely plot elements that could fit into a trashy. Well, movie. yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be recorded way before one trashy summer, <laughs> so there would have been like a buffer, right? But now we're just kind of like yeah. piling it on. 
enraged Steven vandalizes the entire house. He like destroys like this huge screen TV they had and uh, like pool sticks and drum kits and David's room entirely. In hindsight, this feels like a mistake. Like there was a better way to get David. Yeah, it seems I mean, I get that he's like so pissed and he's like kind of shocked and horrified by what he's found here in this shrine, but it doesn't seem like also, a great move. I know, yeah, I know he's angry, but I feel like some of that would have subsided and turned to like horror when you're in this house. Fear, if R- you will. Yeah, really. <laughs> like I would be pretty afraid that the dudes that live at this house are going to come back while I'm here. And then what am I going to do? Yeah, because he doesn't have like a weapon or anything. Right. As you mentioned, though, it does feel like a mistake because David then later is easily able to recruit the housemates into a plan of retribution because he's able to take their rage at all of their shit being destroyed and being like, I know who did it. Because previously, could he have gotten these dudes to participate? Maybe, but their heart probably wasn't going to be in it. Yeah. Like, why would they care? Be like, it's just some bitch. Like, who fucking cares about this girl? You know what I mean? It, it's not worth it. All right. Any impediment and they would have been like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. But now Stephen has given them motivation to fuck with him. So he's, his plan, I guess, is that they're going to break into the Walker's residence. Laura finally, in all of this intense moment here, like building up into the end of the movie, Laura <laughs> finally like, seems to be realizing you know that what? maybe she fucked up. David might not be the greatest after all. Because now, like, everything's kind of escalating, including the incident in the bathroom and everything. And the police still are, like, no help because they're like, well, you know, how are you going to prove that he was in the bathroom? Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I think now maybe they would take it, like, more seriously, maybe. But, yeah, it is the typical, like, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Margot arrives at the Walker house with the news of Gary's murder, which I think since Nicole witnessed david like beating the shit out of him i think they just assume that david did it then david and his friends in a scene that would be hard for people to deal with now and probably you know you'd have to have like a warning before they behead the walker's dog and drop the head through the docky door alerting everyone to their presence i think for some people that would probably be the most fucked up thing in this movie yeah well it is (laughs) it is horrible they then cut the phone line and idiot nicole gave david the code so they're still almost able to get into the house that's right this kind of feels like a straw dogs scene yeah definitely and in addition to it being like this secluded house with no neighbors and no one around and also now their phone line has been cut so they're kind of cut off from everything in addition to all that weirdness it's this specially built house that's like hard to break into even though there's like all these windows they're like bulletproof i guess or something this is where Laura references, like, you designed this house and blah, blah, blah. It's That's like right. some kind of special deal. The line here when David, like, threw the camera or whatever onto the, uh, or whatever, the peephole. I don't even know if it's uh, what yeah. that is, where he's looking through it, where he's like, so let me in the fucking house. And right. like yelled. That's, yeah. like, improvised. And they, like, cut it out. And I think, like, one of the producers was like, where did that go? Put that back in. Oh, yeah. And it became, like, one of the famous lines from the movie. Security will come. There's no siren. We'll still get the signal. Larry will come. No, it's disconnected. The system works through the phone line. It doesn't matter. No one is getting in here, Stephen. You designed it, remember? Reinforced doors, no entry without the code. Dad, David's got the code. (laughs) 
all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. In the end, it will anyway. So let me the fucking house! So it's, you know, this long, drawn-out, prolonged attempt at breaking in. They're barricading doors. Nicole, Margot, and Toby go upstairs. Eventually, like, one of them's using a drill and drops it, and then Laura injures one of them with that drill by, like, drilling into their hand. Yeah, which... I didn't notice it until this viewing, but doesn't that guy kind of disappear from the narrative? Yeah, so a couple <laughs> of them leave. One of them takes him to like the hospital, okay, and yeah. they just are gone. So that cuts the number down from like I thought it was five like four to, to three. three. But is it, is it I think five? it's five okay. to three. Nicole sends an SOS with her like a flashlight to the security guard, right? Who somehow oblivious to this going on. Sees a lot it. of value in having a security guard. Well, they like didn't go through the main way. They, right. They, we should say that they, when they show up, they cut through the woods. There's no silent alarm from the house to the security booth. They do address that. They, okay. they say that well, whenever they cut the they cut the, yeah. the line, it's it's like through the phone line. Which I was like, well, then what's the point? If if it's all one thing, then why wouldn't you just use the phone? It should be like a separate thing from the phone. Yeah. But whatever. Okay. They say that like it's not. They address not it, working. but not good enough for me. The situation backfires, though, when the security guard is killed by one of the dudes. The yeah. one the one guy who stayed who's not Logan or right. David, the other guy. <laughs> I love how they just escalate. This dude's just like, I'm willing to shoot a security guard for this, whatever's going on right now. Yeah. I could definitely see David doing it, but it's just a weird move that they had like this other guy do it because you're like, how fucked up is everybody in this group? Really? Like, he's yeah. willing to just shoot a guy in the back. For whatever they're doing. Then Steven is taken hostage because he came out when the it looked like the security guard had things under control. And, he, of course, he took, like, a sucker punch at Logan and David. But now everything's backfired because this guy's a gun. He shoots the security guard. Yeah. Now he's taken hostage by the remaining three assailants. They force Laura to open the door, even though Steven's, like, begging them not to, and allow them in. And <laughs> I put in the notes here, like, it's kind of funny and psychotic and and just one of those things with these types of movies where david is still like approaching this from the perspective of we can still make this work (laughs) like he still thinks like oh boy he's still oblivious to like how there's a line i mean the line was so long ago obviously he's committed murder he murdered gary and he's done all these crazy things but like he just doesn't understand that there's like a certain line at some point where you're never going to be able to be normal and come back from it again no. It's just like, this is, you fucked things up. And now, of course, he's taking it to such an extreme level where he's, like, going to go to jail no matter yeah. what. And, like, he still thinks, like, there's some normal future with him and Nicole. He didn't go to your school of burning bridges. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding when the yeah, bridge is too right. burnt to tr- attempt to go across. Upstairs, Toby sneaks out a window to get to Laura's car phone. And when he's in the car, he ends up running over the third guy. Yeah, and this is a little foreshadowing from me earlier about Toby's future. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he just like plows over that dude, and then he's like, you can see him bump up like as they like run over his head or whatever. Yeah. It's like Phil Leotardo, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what do you think that Toby's future therapy session? He's gonna be like? David. I well, yeah, I mean, it's like your mom is Amy Brenneman, your stepsister <laughs> is fucking Reese Witherspoon, and you've run a dude over. Logan makes a big mistake when he goes upstairs. Uh, he beats the shit out of Margot, but then he well, and it's tries like he's going to, for like a sexual assault here. Yeah, he tries to rape Nicole, and so David shoots Logan in the head. Yeah, not a lot of thought behind it. Just he does say like before they go in to the whole group, like David's like, 
Nicole's off limits, and then like the camera does show like Logan like kind of make a face. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Toby gets the keys from Terry because they had Terry's the guy who runs over. Uh, I just randomly started throwing his name in the <laughs> notes, and then so he's able to free Laura and Stephen. Stephen and David brawl. David is like completely lost yeah. mentally though, because he's like talking about a wedding between him and Nicole. Because at first it seems like David is just way stronger than Steven. He's just kind of like manhandling him. But David is like at a disadvantage because he's like so far out of reality. He's yeah. just like is thinking like him and Nicole are about like, to be married or something. The thing that making it a little bit more even playing field is like the chord has been struck within Steven. You know, he's hitting something that inspires an anger out of Steven that nothing yeah. else can come close to, which is he hooked up with his daughter. I think it's Nicole who stabs it David is. in the back with a peace pipe, the right? Peace pi- didn't she win? Didn't he win her that peace pipe? Yeah, that was at like but, the yeah. carnival. Which I I just remember thinking to myself like what what an odd yeah like prize at a carnival game. No giant ass panda, just a peace pipe. They define something that could be used as a weapon. There's some right. more fighting, and then kind of out of nowhere, which kind of makes it more interesting and funny. Steven just tosses David out the window to his death. It's like Undertaker it throwing mankind yeah. off the top of the hell in the cell. Yeah, he where just, just like, where did this come right. from? <laughs> Meanwhile, those windows that were like impossible to break earlier in the movie, he just, he just goes right through human it. Being right through, and David just lands like out on straight like, on a rock, rock, and it's just like over. No hope for a sequel like no. where he's like in the water and you think he's dead. That's but maybe the thing. Not. Yeah, he's just right on a rock, dead. Police and paramedics arrive, and then there's just abrupt credits. Like, just <laughs> I love like those movies in the know, '90s like where you're just like not 100 percent sure it's over, and then credits, boom, right? Just start going up, and you're like, oh, I guess there's not even gonna be like a final like no hug reconciliation or with the family. No. Like, yeah, it's just like Steven starts beating the shit out of Nicole. Like, you fucking stupid slut! Yeah, right. How could you do this? <laughs> I think the first half of the movie is better than the second half. I agree with that. I love like all of the weird shit and kind of like the buildup of it more than the payoff where it kind of does fall into like your standard home invasion movie. I mean, it's fine. It's not like it's bad, but it's not anything like unique about it. You're kind of like, okay, we kind of know what what's happening now. And then we just have to have this play out. Yeah. It feels by the numbers at a certain point. But yeah, the the earlier stuff with all of the weird tensions between all of the characters and just the weird shit between Laura and Nicole, the weird shit between Laura and Steven, the weird shit between Laura and David, the weird shit between David and Steven or Margot and Steven. It's just like that stuff is just so weird. It's like an added dimension to what you, you would think would be like kind of a standard throwaway movie. And I think that's what kind of gives the movie legs and why it's something that people still see and know about and it hasn't because it wasn't such a huge hit or anything but it's still very remembered yeah and the fact that in euphoria there would be the reference of like well i'm a college dude and i'm dating a high school chick it's time to put on fear right because that's just something people do everyone just tries to put on movies that relate to what's going on in their life (laughs) this movie is i think the idea is like well this movie is going to make me look less bad i guess okay yeah all right (laughs) See, this is normal. Yeah, it's just one of those holdovers from the high school days. You know, this was like a big movie for people when I was in high school. I don't know if it's as big now. Like I said, I mean, they did reference it in that show, but I don't know that like it's still got the same hold over people. But it's it's definitely like a '90s classic. It's very '90s in so many ways. Yeah. uh, Yep. And Reese and 
Mark Wahlberg would go on to have like these huge careers. I think they dated for a little bit at the time. Okay. Leading into like the MTV Movie Awards, which I th- I think Mark Wahlberg was like nominated for best villain or some shit. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was very like of that kind of thing totally. of like the MTV Movie Awards. Makes me nostalgic for another time. Absolutely. <laughs> Remember when like I mean this the VMAs and like the music video awards were like a big deal. It's like I now, do remember that. It's which like is weird. nobody cares yeah. at all. <laughs> oh man, how things change. Yeah. What are you doing? What? <clears throat> what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. So do you have any recommendations for our first episode back? Yeah, I was going to so I was going to do a, a movie and a show for the since we're recording two eps today and I think uh, I'll do the movie for this one. Watched a ton of shit over COVID, but this was kind of a weird one. Just uh randomly put it on Prime and we've kind of had some weird foreshadowing of it because you mentioned Steve Buscemi. We also talked about Mark Boone Jr. earlier, who's also in it. We talked about that off mic. Logan in this movie is like a young Mark Boone Jr. <laughs> it's not him, but it, it just reminds you of him. Um, and for, he's like the fat guy from Sons of Anarchy. That's right. So the movie is Tree's Lounge, which I had never seen Steve Buscemi direct. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I like, have heard of it. I, I don't think I, I don't think I've seen it. I guess it was a it, and it's streaming on Prime right now, but it was a huge like inspiration on David Chase for Sopranos and why like he used Steve Buscemi to direct episodes and then later had him as a right and there's a few people from sopranos in it i was really uh vibing with it i mean it's just about one's self-destructive behavior yeah kind of a portrait of a life of the dude who just sits at the bar a a path that i've very much been on at different points in my life so yeah but it kind of made me interested in watching more things that steve buscemi directed although looking at the other ones you know, I was like, eh, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I was into it. And for something, if you can deal with a little on the dark side, I, I liked it. I was into it. So, all right. So Trees Lounge on Amazon Prime. I, I may have seen like some of that at some point. I, I do have a vague memory, but I don't know. Yeah, I also have like a two things, but since we're doing two episodes today, I, I don't really have anything for the second one. I'll just do one now. And it's a holdover from all of the recommendations I gave in those solo give us a seconds I did during the quarantine time. It's just a show that I love. I've watched every episode several times now through COVID-19, and that would be Community, which is available on Netflix, and Mm -hmm. it's still available on Hulu. I love it. It's just a show that you can just watch over and over. Yeah. So many jokes in it so many weird references it's such a weird show it definitely seemed to be getting a lot of life being yeah it's more popular now than i think when it actually aired because of the netflix thing and because of everyone being stuck in their house that they got donald glover to kind of come back to do this live table read well it wasn't live it was recorded live they did it on like zoom uh he left the show to go on to be childish gambino and do his whole thing that he's doing with like atlanta and all that stuff you know, after a few episodes into the fifth season, I think uh, they did six seasons and him coming back and doing this table read of an episode that they did for like charity, which was pretty hilarious because they had Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah. Play the part the Red that Viper was played Dorn. by uh, Walton Goggins played it in the original episode, but I guess he was like not available. So they had the fucking Mandalorian himself. That's right. 
doing it and he kept laughing because he could not believe like how ridiculous this one part in the story that they did it's a great episode it's the only cast member that ultimately is not really involved at this point is chevy chase or i guess it was just like a nightmare well didn't he have like huge problems what is it dan Harmon that was yeah who, who does yeah. like rick and morty now yeah, yeah. they like hated each other right. but the rest of the cast also it seemed like pretty contentious and so they do the episode like after chevy chase's character dies and so it's like the reading of his will and it's like the, okay. this hilarious episode but anyway so they got D- donald glover to do that and he hadn't really done anything he hadn't like appeared at any of like the paley fest panels and all of the special community stuff that they had done in recent years and there is talk that they will finally do the movie that they've been talking about since like season two of the show when oh, yeah. one of the characters yells out six seasons in a movie and they somehow by hook or by crook got six wow seasons. yeah which is shocking because it was like one of those shows that was and the last one was like, on yahoo on on the chopping block was canceled and yeah. then came back it like, came on, back on yahoo and pretty much put the whole yahoo tv thing like out of business <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's not really a thing that even ever took off but yeah it's on netflix and hulu still i think it's such a funny show i love it it's so weird i hope that they do the movie just because it would be random and it seems like the right time like netflix could throw the money at them yeah that stars like allison brie and joel McHale and oh yeah all those people gillian jacobs that's right remember she was in that commercial for like diet coke that used yeah to that play? would play before every fucking movie yurt it up <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, now I I hated that commercial. Now I like long for it. Yeah, anything that's like theater related, it's like, man, I miss it. Even the terrible commercials. That's right. I don't know. All right, we should probably cut this one off. This is going too long. Okay. So, all right. Thanks for listening. We're hopefully back on track. Follow the show on Twitter, Accuratus Pod. You know where to find us on Apple Podcasts and Podbean and iTunes and all that stuff. For now, we're going to just keep recording as long as we can. I mean, who knows what the future holds. We were very confident during that Vanilla Sky up, and that didn't play out. So I don't want to oversell <laughs> yeah, our confidence confident now. now. But I don't know. We're, we're going to hopefully be recording these two at a time so that we'll, we'll be able to get these out and hopefully be on a regular schedule for like the rest of the year. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon.
Maybe now would be a good time to get the boxes out of my house. It's just boxes of DVDs. They're Blu-rays. Okay, well, it's just shit you can watch online. These Blu-rays have, like, exclusive special features, you bitch.